0: Welcome to The Naked Truth. You'll talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah,
1: And I'm Eric. And today we're joined by someone who has been dancing West Coast Swing for over three decades. In the span of her dance career, she has become an accomplished West Coast Swing Dancer with multiple national titles in showcase, classic, champion strictly swing, and champion Jack and Jill competitions. She is an inductee into the California Swing Dance Hall of Fame and the World Swing Dance Council Hall of Fame, recipient of the Feather Award and the Walk of Legends Award, And she was a featured aerialist in the movie Shout. She is driven by her passion for dance, her love of music, and her complete affection for the power and physicality of movement. Others have described her style as timeless and inspirational. And indeed, she is an inspiration and role model for many of our top champion followers. As a top professional, she can be found teaching workshops, judging, coaching students, competing, social dancing, and DJing at events and venues around the country. She completed teaching and judging certification in 1992 through the Golden State Dance Teachers Association, and she continues to learn, support, and teach for GSDTA today. She is an original U.S. Open investor and shareholder, and she and her late husband served as members of its board of directors from 2002 to 2009, giving their heart, ideas, wisdom, and skills to the event. Please welcome to the show, the amazing Ms. Charlotte Bott.
2: Yay!
0: Hi, Ms. Charlotte. Thank you. Hello. It's so great to have you on this show. We waited a while um, to have such an icon like you because we wanted to build some momentum and, (laughs) you know, and people to um, more people to get to hear all the wonderful things that we're going to talk about today.
1: Lots of our guests have mentioned you.
0: At some That's point. right. They have. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question that we ask most of our guests. The first question, which is how did you get started in West coast swing?
2: Well, it was through a coworker. I worked for Southern California Edison and he came by my office and he said, uh, Hey, you know, uh, I'm taking swing dance lessons at Sundance Dance Studio, and you should go. And I said, oh, uh, you know, that sounds like fun. I used to do hustle, and I said during the 70s, late 70s, and then that kind of died out. I said, so I think I would like to try it. So he took me to the Crazy Horse Saloon in uh, Orange County, and uh, I did it. I was like, I sort of followed what he did, and it was so much fun. I'm like, okay, where do I sign up?
0: Who was this person?
2: He uh, no longer is in the community, but he was, a, like I said, a co-worker engineer. And uh, we we did a lot of dancing. It was a lot of country dancing back then because it was uh, 1982. And uh, I, Sundance was country and swing. And so we did a lot of uh, country bars where we danced at that time when I first learned.
0: And did you like West Coast Swing when you first saw it?
2: Not initially. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the, the general consensus, by the way, Charlotte, But uh-huh. nobody liked it when they saw it. So tell us.
2: I didn't dislike it. I was a natural dancer, so I knew how to move. I came out of the womb having a lot of like rhythm in my body. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the studio and they did Walk, Walk, Run, 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 that was Tom Maddox, um, I felt a little robotic. I enjoyed it, and I liked the classes, but I went through beginning, intermediate, and advanced and said, well, that was really, that's really fun. I like the social aspect, but I feel like a robot. So, eventually, someone told me about a club called Lion Dior, and it was a blues club. And I walked into there one night, met some friends, and I walked into Kenny Wetzel, DJ and I saw these people. It was a lounge. It was dark. It was dingy. It was dirty, and they were dancing. And so was their dance. And I like. And I looked at it, and I said, "That's what I want to do. This is how it's supposed to feel. That's what it looks like." And uh, from there, I think the music from not dancing it to country music, which was very fast and um, didn't have as much variation in the music. And uh, that when I saw that. And I saw Jack and Annie and a lot of the old timers that brought the dance from the forties. These were people who did jitterbug swing and Hollywood movie people that brought it forward and kept it alive through the sixties, which I kind of call the cocktail lounge era of Mm -hmm. swing. And even that changed from forties style to sixties style. And now here it was in early eighties and, developed to whatever they were doing at that time, but whatever it was, it was really cool. And uh, the music was amazing. And from then on, I I still went to the country bars and the other places, but that kind of music sort of got into my soul. And then when I figured out um, how to do that, walk, walk, run, 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 run to different music, it became fun. And then I fell in love with it, of course.
1: So who influenced you most as a dancer, uh, as a West Coast swing dancer? And who influenced you as you became a dance professional in this community?
2: In the beginning of who influenced me primarily was uh, a hustle dancer named Donna Wren. She also was a swing dancer. She made all our costumes and the US Open in the early years. But her leg styling influenced my leg styling because I would see her straight leg and hips. And I I looked at that and I said, boy, I want to look like that. She has really got a nice presence to her walk within the dance. The other person who was a huge influence was one of my first social dance partners. His name was Randy Albers. And he is the person who taught me how to be creative who told me and gave me permission to be creative with music. And he said, you know, he would take me up to one of our nightclubs called Happy Days and we'd go upstairs and he'd say, okay, right here, when you hear the music go like this, then do and so I would be like, oh, okay, I, I can do that. Because yeah, You can do anything. He <laughs> so, um, unleashed a, a, a monster, I guess. And I became very creative musically because I realized that I could. and So those two people really uh, set the tone for how my dancing developed. Mm -hmm. The second part of the question was, did you say professionally? Yes, as a dance professional. As a dance professional, um, when I finally started competing, um, I never had any, any thoughts of teaching at all. I just was a competitor in 1985, got in the U.S. Open, worked with Kenny Wetzel as a coach. And, um, but that was the most fun ever. They were, it was just a very fun experience altogether, but never thought of teaching because I had a full-time job. And so my full-time job didn't allow for that. And so I, I guess that uh, by the time I was after, Lance Sherman and I got together in around 1986, started competing, and then we started getting invited to places to teach. Our first job in Michigan was the first time I'd ever traveled anywhere to to do something like that. I realized then that I needed to know a lot more about teaching because I was a little um, uh, like a fish out of water. So I started taking, you know, training from Skippy Blair and learning more about the dance and how to teach it. So that's professionally where I started and why I started because of demand. And then when I ultimately went on to Wayne Bot, my other life partner, he he was a teacher more than he was a competitor he loved teaching and so together we we uh, became worked on teaching and uh, took a lot of uh, training together i also took a lot of training with lance cuz he was very much into taking jazz tap ballet uh, and studying those things working with aerial coaches so That sort of developed me professionally, you know, from because of being a competitor.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Before we talk about Lance and Wayne, because we are going to actually get to that, I want to talk a little bit about um, your style because it's so distinct. And as we said in our intro, admired by many of our top professional champion followers, how would you define uh, your style and how did you develop your aesthetic? What makes Charlotte Charlotte?
2: so many things that influenced my style first of all was donna wren with the leg styling Mm -hmm. the other thing that changed was when i first uh, this sounds funny but my dance shoes changed how i felt
0: that doesn't sound funny at all
2: yeah i started with these weird dance shoes that had like a block heel back then and they were didn't have much of an arch and so when i finally bought a pair of shoes that had an arch, and I realized that I had an arch in my foot, and my foot could move uh, more freely. And they had they had a heel on them as well. It changed my leg styling even more, and changed my strut. So I'm sort of known as at that time I was known as being more of a very much of a strutter with my leg styling and a, a sophisticated walk. So I'd say that shoes, and then obviously you know into when Charlie and Jackie influenced us all with Latin shoes that changed my my styling, and then pants changed my styling because mm-hmm. I started off wearing skirts. When pants came in, I moved differently. So shoes and clothing started to affect how I felt and how i i i looked. Mm-hmm. So. And obviously, music genres over the years. Everything changes it, but the dance itself never really changed. Just how I did it changed.
0: I completely understand that. Shoes and clothing do definitely have an effect on how you move. I feel that way too.
2: Also, like I said, Randy Albers brought out something in me that no one else could have brought out in me. Had I not met that man, I'm not sure that. I'd be the dancer that I am. And he was a he was a not someone that you would look at and would think that he could even dance. He was a little chubby and overweight and bald headed and married. And he was, but he danced like
0: he was artistic.
2: He was like a ballerina himself. He, mm-hmm. he, was, he took me to my first ballet. He said, let's go to the ballet. And let me be influenced by so many different things and so I spent eight years of social dance with him uh, just dancing to all kinds of genres from dancing at Disneyland to big band music then we go to the press box and dance to blues then we go to a hotel where Caesar was playing and he played top 40 so we, we developed so many different styles through the music together that And then at that same time, simultaneously, I was dancing athletically with Lance. Lance was my athletic partner. That was very physical and I'm a very physical person, really physical in my dance, strong. Um, So I had natural athletic ability. And so I matched up well with Lance that way because he was very athletic and less musical. But Randy was my music inspiration and my creativity and patterns that went from, from anywhere. And we would pretend, uh, there was a lot of pretense, like uh, we had a step called Little Ballerina, Big Ballerina. So he would he would fantasize himself as baller- ballerinas, and we would just create. So mm-hmm. that's how we had so much fun. So he was a really good friend, and I, I was always amazed that his wife was so generous with him, but she didn't mind, you know. Did his wife not dance? She did, but she was, She had other interests. They were gotcha. lovely people. She just not, wasn't there. She had uh, the church and other things that she did. And Randy was a dancer. He could not help himself. Mm-hmm. He influenced many other females. Uh, he danced with Donna Wren before he danced with me. He danced with Michelle French before she danced with anybody. She, he, there are a lot of girls that went through him. Uh, Erica Robel. He danced with Erica before Mario married her. So he's he sort of was that background guy that sort of pushed women forward into the uh, to find
0: themselves artistically dance. on the dance floor.
2: Exactly. Yeah. We need more men like that. They don't exist. I don't think he was a he was one of a kind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so before you danced with Lancer Wayne, you were doing routines with um, Randy, and I believe you also did a routine or two with Jim Fisk. Yes. I'm wondering how you got started with routines. You know, you started as a, a social dancer. What made the switch to go and compete?
2: Well, being at Lion Dior, the club, Jack Bridges was there all the time, Jack and Marianne. And Jack came up to me and said, you should, you and Randy should do the showcase division at the U.S. Open. I said, what's the U.S. Open? This is all I'm happy. It's a dance competition that I have. And you and me, Randy, are showcase dancers. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not sure what a showcase dancer is, but I'll try it. I think I missed the first year. And this, this was the second year. So I entered the competition, had no idea, never been to a big competition like that. Randy and I just made something up. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> Neither one of us were. Had any real training. We were just crazy, wild dancers um, who had a lot of spirit, but we never did aerials. So it was weird that Jack put us in the showcase division. I think they, that was probably, they didn't have a classic division back then. No, showcase was the first
0: division. Classic came after.
2: Yeah, but I thought, I wasn't sure if classic was the second year or the third, but anyway. I've entered the showcase division and then I saw people like, uh, this is when Barry Jones came out with Judy Ford and they did get down, get funky, get loose. And I looked at her and I'm like, I want to dance like that. Look at her head. Look at that feather costume she has on. Mm So, you know, after having done 1984 with Randy, I realized how much I didn't know and wanted to know more. And so then uh, at Lion Dior, Kenny, Told, uh, said to Jim Fisk, "You, you should dance with Charlotte, you know, and I'll coach you." And so Jim and I got together, and it was really through the the uh, influence of those people bringing me in, saying I should, and so I did. Uh, I think I was a little nervous as a performer. I was more introverted, not an extrovert, so. It kind of helped with being introverted, so it forces you to just like public speaking. It forces you to get out there and express yourself in front of in front of people. That's you know making yourself sure. very vulnerable. So, but it was good. I think it was good for me. Yeah.
0: Well, you you obviously you know watching you on videos, you know there's no doubt that you're a natural performer. You could never tell that you were an introvert. So good on you. <laughs> I'm an
2: extrovert on the dance floor, but an introvert otherwise. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um,
0: You performed and competed in Routines of Visions with the late, great Lance Schermoen. How did you and Lance become partners, and what was that partnership like?
2: Oh, it was great. Uh, Lance was a a great guy. Um, So that came about because Lance had stopped dancing with Marianne Nunez. And we took a break, I believe, for a year. And I didn't want to dance with Jim again just because I, maybe I had my sights on Lance. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) might have. (laughs) And Lance and I got together. And he, I remember him, we went to breakfast. And he said, you know, my dad thinks I should dance with you because you have nice legs. I'm like, oh. Okay. (laughs) So we danced together because his dad said I had nice legs.
0: (laughs) What was it like working with Lance?
2: Oh, Lance was a very serious competitor. He believed in training. Um, He flew us to to Colorado to work with Carter Lobeson to work on lifts. And I thought I was quite impressed with Lance and not not gonna lie you know had definitely was interested in him and more than just a dance partner because he was so handsome right. and we were getting involved that way and so we did did a lot of training actually just worked on aerials mostly or aerials my feet I hardly touched the ground with lance we never worked on anything on the ground mostly <laughs> just working uh lifts and he liked fast dancing Lance was very hooked up with the swing community then, which was Dean Collins. So he had a Dean Collins style. Him and Martin Parker were definitely, at that time, very much into Dean Collins' style of swing. And so we, I never worked with Dean, but then Lance took me to Skippy, and he had wanted to get some uh, coaching from Skippy. And so she put pinned him pen to paper and started writing eights down on a piece of paper. And I'd never seen that before. So um, I think Lance was good and really showing me that it takes hard work to compete. Not that I did it with Jim. I worked six months and we'd worked on lifts and we worked with Kenny twice a week on, as a coach, but Lance and I worked uh, even harder. So I'd have to say that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because, um, you know, Lance was, you know, very athletic. Most people don't, you know, if they didn't know him, do you think that's part of the reason why he was such a hard worker? Because most people who are athletes have a really good ethic in practice.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Lance came from football. You know, he came from water skiing, racing and uh, snow skiing. Lance was constantly moving. He was a he was an athlete in every sense of the word. And so the dance was, he approached it the same way. And his parents were dancers, uh, Ronnie and Lori. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, His mother's name was Ronnie and his dad's name was Lori, which is kind of strange, right? (laughs) But they were good friends with Dean Collins. And so Lance grew up watching a lot of swing and his mom taught him how to swing dance in the kitchen. And so... We did a lot of uh, Bobby McGee's dancing with those people, and so that style of swing was definitely around and influenced me during those days.
1: Many of today's dancers, uh, unfortunately, only know Lance through videos of his routines that we can find on YouTube or elsewhere but he was such an iconic and important figure in the swing community. I mean, talking to you and any of the top champions who knew him, um, he was such a great influence on their dancing and their careers. What can you tell us about Lance that you think our listeners should know about him?
2: Oh, boy. God. (laughs)
0: Loaded question, right?
2: It is, you know. Mm -hmm. He's a great guy. You know, he, he like I said, he was very serious about everything that he did. He put a hundred a hundred percent into it. He might not have been the most musical uh, of people, but what he was was athletic about. It. He liked to go fast. He liked uh, he liked. It. Yeah, I don't know what to say other than you know what you see on video never represents who people really are and and what they're about. Mm -hmm. It was about so much more. He he was my CPA. He did my taxes for (laughs) forever.
0: Mine too for a while.
2: Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and we obviously we had a relationship. We had struggles in our relationship because Lance was a free spirit and uh, being tied into a relationship was hard for him. Let's just say that. But Uh, He was always a good guy. So,
0: um, yeah, wouldn't you say that Lance was, Lance had a kind soul? I mean, um, he loved the dance community and all the dancers, I think.
2: That too, and he's very generous. He was, he helped everybody. I, in my particular job at Southern California Edison, at that time, Lotus came in, which is before Excel. Mm -hmm. And Lance helped me write a program in Lotus to help me with manage our budgets and so I was a budgets and accounting manager and he came in and helped. Lance was just, he was really, really smart, you know, with um, what was the database that they used back then. Lance is also as far as figuring out scoring and working on programs and trying to figure out better ways to do things. And like I said, he had a brilliant mind. And well, wasn't and, he one of the
0: pioneers in writing the scoring program for the swing dance community?
2: He was. He worked with a lot of the pioneers. Let's just say that it originally came from Augie Gentempo, who the world's swing. Oh, dance. that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And from Augie, it kind of went into uh, Jeff Kletzky. Had a, a version right. of a different the database itself. But then scoring was different. Jeff Kletsky, uh, Northern California, and then Lance. When he met Jeff, they were like two peas in a pod. They were like, okay, this guy's smart. They were both very smart, and smart people are attracted to smart people. Sure. And so Lance was really got into helping Jeff and bringing it forward and bringing it. Maybe Jeff maybe would have not had not gotten the exposure that Lance. Pushed it into. I think that Lance put it, took the exposure and the and the program that Jeff wrote, and m- moved it into the community in a bigger
0: way. Well, hence why I said one of the pioneers of yes. uh, the scoring system. Um, so, when did you meet Wayne Bot, and how did you become partners, both dance partners and romantic partners? <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, I, really I really- love that you're <laughs> chuckling.
2: Well, I saw Wayne and I think in Phoenix or Vegas, one of those early events uh, in the early 90s, uh, probably around 1990, 91. And I danced with him and I was like, wow, that was fun. And I just wanted to keep dancing with him. He had the most quirky patterns. I never knew where I was going. It was unpredictable. And I love the excitement of unpredictable dancing. And so it was sort of like Randy Albers and Randy was very unpredictable and you never knew where you were going, but you love the ride. Mm-hmm. And so Wayne felt that way to me. And so then Wayne started coming to the press box. He lived in Phoenix and he had a dance partner. She was also an older woman, like 20 years older. It's just like I had Randy, uh, Wayne had uh, Bonnie, and so him and Bonnie would come out, and I said, hey, you know, you can stay at my house if you would like, and uh, while you come to the press box, and uh, so they did, we got to be, we, we became friends, but I loved his dancing, I guess I, you know, he would dance with me, and I'd say, can I have 20 more? <laughs> was just, I didn't want to sit down, and I guess we became friends, at the time, I was dating Lance, but Lance was had one foot in the door and one foot out (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't keep Lance down and so I started developing an interest in Wayne and of course when that happened Lance got real interested again back in (laughs) (laughs) between the two of them um, I kind of leaned in Wayne's direction because Wayne I think was going to uh, more of a relationship guy than Lance Lance was a free spirit, so I was looking for a solid relationship. Long story short, um, I started dating Wayne, and then he moved to Phoenix, uh, He moved to California, and we became partners and uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. First, we, he had no ambition at all to compete. Wayne did not want to compete. Did not want to do a routine, but he knew that who he was getting involved with. So he knew that he probably was going to end up having to compete. And even though that was not something he was interested in at all, he wanted to teach. Hmm. And he did teach in Phoenix. He was a a swing dance teacher there and loved by many. So did that cover that question? It did.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Wayne, I mean, it's funny to hear that Wayne didn't want to compete because he was such a great performer. He had such great presence. Um, and you and Wayne together as a couple, um, I mean, both individually, but also as a couple, were very influential on the dance. And I've, I've talked with other people about how your routines in some ways broke the mold on certain things or pushed the dance in certain ways. So for instance, um, people talk about how you and Wayne would bend the slot in ways that others had not, previously done in routines or adding certain kinds of level changes and leverage moves. Um, and you both had this sense of showmanship. And I think, um, as you said about Wayne, sort of very playful in your choreography and all while keeping that very much grounded in partnership and swing. How did you and Wayne approach your routines, either putting them together or putting them on the floor or both?
2: Yeah, that was a bit of a struggle, but let me just first say that when I I started dating Wayne, I was still socially dancing with Randy a lot, and Wayne was influenced by Randy's creativity and some of his patterns, and took those patterns and made them his own as well. So... Randy had an influence not only on Wayne Bott, but he also had, Randy had an influence on Randy Clements because Randy Clements came out here from Dallas Mm -hmm. and saw Randy Albers dancing and picked up a few things and took it back to Texas. Because I know that Randy Albers uh, influenced Randy Clements and Randy Clements influenced Wayne because we both, I used to dance with Randy Clements uh, whenever I'd go to Texas so those three guys kind of took a little bit of uh, stuff from each other. Mm-hmm. And then Wayne became very creative in his patterns. And I was already very creative as well. Cause that, like I said, the Randy had unleashed the monster. So I yeah. was creative. Wayne was creative. Um, Wayne was very mathematical, very intelligent. He's an engineer. And He approached the dance from a very mathematical standpoint. I approached the dance from more of a musical standpoint. And when the music said this, I wanted to do that. And so Wayne would map it out, uh, actually in an Excel spreadsheet, and he would put all the words down for every beat, like, okay, here's where that word is. And, okay, that's where I want to do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... He was the, he engineered it, and I decorated it. <laughs> so That's kind of how we started, but it was a bit of a conflict because he always came back to the math, and I always came back to it didn't feel right. It has to feel good. It has to feel like this. And so it took us a while, and I know that our very first routine that we ever tried to do, it, it felt like we imploded. I was a big dancer. I was a showcase dancer. I was an athletic dancer. So when I danced with Wayne, everything got smaller. Mm -hmm. And he realized that part of performing is getting larger. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it took him a while to get there. But Wayne was a hard worker, just like Lance was a hard worker. And then the funny thing, ironically, Mm -hmm. Lance, uh, after, after we got out of the I just broke up with Lance and I'm with Wayne. <laughs> it took Lance a while to be around Wayne and I, but after a couple of years, Lance and Wayne were, were buddies. Lance would call up and say, is Wayne there? And Lance said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause they had great minds and great sure. minds alike. And so that was, they became really good friends, especially with, and then Wayne also helped with the scoring and the uh relative placement and their brains worked a lot a lot alike as well so they were a good match and um so Wayne and I yes we did we were very creative we we made up a lot of our we made up a lot of our material through the influence of those two guys that I told you about that we liked we looked at people that we liked and we said okay we can do something like that but we pretty much made it our own I think we sort of developed. We developed and named a lot of things, like the rim whip, and we had name funny names for everything. And they mm-hmm. got popular. People, other people wanted them. You the know, shut the, up. The, the shut up. I love yeah, the shut up. Uh, fake tuck, mm-hmm. the fake whip, the fake repeater. Yeah. You know, Wayne liked to fake you out a little bit, and that's what was the, surprise. Totally. the surprise element of what he did yeah. was. Mm think you're going in on one way. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Don't anticipate that that's going to happen that way. Cause if you anticipated with Wayne, he would do something else. So not to be ornery, but just to be, it's just Wayne. You, know, Deborah, what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> oh no, totally. I mean, listen, you know, I feel like Wayne, you know, uh, was a great dancer and a great mentor to so many professionals, you know, not just in dance, but in life. And he was a great man. Um, in our community. And obviously his loss was sudden and painful. Um, you know, what memories do you hold onto most and what do you hope people in our community remember most about him?
2: Well, he was funny. (laughs) He was, he was hilarious. I, he would, he had subtle dry wit humor. That if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even catch it. Right. Um, we went into a you know, here's just an example. We were in a grocery store, and I was always oblivious to what was going on around me, but Wayne was always paying attention to what other people were doing. And uh, so the the checker he gives him a fifty dollar the checker girl a fifty dollar bill, and she holds it up to the light, and she looks at it, and then she you Know gives him the change and then he he gets a ten dollar bill back and he holds the ten dollar bill <laughs> up to the light and he, and, it, and she gets a kick out of it, right? And I don't even know what happened. I, so I get in the car and I'm like, What happened? What just happened? Why are you laughing? What because you didn't see what happened? I'm like, No, because well, she gave me a 50. So he did things like that so subtly and so funny, it, it was just he you never expected that it was going to be funny like we'd be laying at bed at night and he'd say something and I would laugh until I was crying because (laughs) and that's the one of the the fun things about being being married to Wayne was you never knew uh when you were going to start laughing so hard you're going to cry right and uh he was just a good guy, too, and he was a great conversationalist. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about everything in life. And everyone loved him. From the Even when he passed away, there were kids that, that he went to fourth grade with who were contacting mm-hmm. me and telling me what a difference Wayne made in their life, how he influenced them in sports, because also Wayne was an athlete and played football, And but he always helped up the other kids, you know, in other grades. If he was the older guy that kids looked up to, Wayne would help them. He would help them with sports. He was he was just someone that um, everyone people
0: gravitated to him.
2: He did. He was. He had charisma, and even when I met him, the funny thing is, I sort of released my relationship with Lance, and I'm like, God, please send me somebody that I. You know that wants a relationship. I deserve that, and I want to go forward. and And a month later, Wayne showed up, and I said, "You know, there's no coincidences. <laughs> he was meant to be in my life, and we had seventeen wonderful years together. And uh, then things happen. You know, there's other things. Life goes forward. You, you know, and we lost him, and that's a shame because he would have been so good for the community had he continued. He
0: was good for the community while he was around. It's not like you know what I mean. But would have been even further. I mean, he would have done more for us.
2: But we still need him today. And I wish that uh, we didn't suffer that loss.
0: Yeah. We all felt the the loss of um, Wayne. He wasn't just a, like I said, he wasn't just a great dancer. He was a, you know, a great mentor, a good human. He was uber funny. um, And most smart people are funny, but he was very funny. And he kept all of us laughing. So
2: even, even though he competed, he never, never cared about the results. Yes. Which I did, but, <laughs> well, <laughs> he did so. but he said one of his biggest fantasies was to compete at the US Open and then go to Disneyland during awards. I said, well, that wouldn't be very nice. And he, just, <laughs> he said it sometimes the placement takes away all the work that you've, he said the the journey and what you put into the dance is everything. And then the award can make it all go away. It can mm-hmm. make it negative. And he didn't want the negative. He just wanted to, to feel good about our performance and what we did and then not care where it landed us. And he said he, he realized that that wasn't really, you know, the reality of the situation, but- it's well, a great perspective, I think. I wish that it wasn't so important. And that what's more important is that we put a routine together. We did it. We performed it. A lot of people loved it, whether it was first or second or third or fourth. They still loved it. And, uh, you know, so that's to him what was more important.
1: So you mentioned that he would be good for our community today. And, of course, you've been active in our community for many years now. You've seen the dance change and evolve over time. What are your thoughts on... How the dance has changed? What do you like? What would you want to see more of?
2: I don't think the dance has changed. Still the same dance that I've done for 37 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Styling changes, music changes, and we have it ebbs and flows. And I think the only thing that I would want to. For West Coast Swing to still continue to be is the same dance that it is, with the same foundation because it's a great foundation from which you can develop and create anything you want within the structure of the foundation of this dance. You take the the platform of it and create. It. It's like art, but you don't you don't not put the dance in the art. So it, this has a structure this dance has a structure and i want it to maintain the structure and keep the art so that's what i'd like to make sure that west coast swing does
0: do you think that the structure has gone or do you think it's just a result of the type of music that we're dancing to at the moment so it's hard to recognize our structure
2: i think the structure is has been affected because i i think that some people don't know what the structure is because of the evolution of youtube and seeing this dance visually and not feeling it or not understanding it because people teach so differently and there's only like a few patterns it feels like at a core patterns that are left when there's a lot more core patterns that seem to be left out. Um, I watched a professional West Coast Swing couple on video during a pro demonstration somewhere. And I don't mention any names. But it occurred to me that they did so many push breaks and so many same-side tucks, well, I guess you would say a sugar push or a sugar tuck. Mm-hmm. And that was the basis of the entire dance. And I thought, and then a lot of tricks and a lot of wiggle and a lot of movement and a lot of styling, but it didn't feel like they understood that there was more foundation patterns that they could have added. that could have made it cool and more, give it more of a variety. So it just, um, I feel that there's, some of them are missing and don't even know what they're missing that it's probably a part of education that's gotten dropped Mm
0: -hmm. along the
2: way or misinterpreted Mm -hmm. and you can style it however you want. You know, you can dance it to music apparently, however you want to dance and whatever kind of music. I do think that certain music damages the dance to a certain degree. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're doing more musical interpretation than they are doing the dance and then interpreting the dance.
1: When you say that Wayne would be good for our community today, what did you mean by that?
2: Well, because he's, he was well-liked by all. And so people who, and well-respected, and he had a voice that people would listen to because he didn't offend anyone. And I think that his influence would have, been great for keeping the dance whole and why it should remain as it was um, perhaps he and I together would have been more involved uh, in that regard of leading the community so to speak and it takes someone with a lot of uh, respect to be listened to sure and I think he had that and a lot of well-liked and so when that happens I think that his influence would have been great and he would have kept he would have um guided it in such a way I believe that it would have kept it uh, in a vein of positivity but yet still in the roots of what it is
1: yeah. Even his attitude of not caring about awards and how you do it right. Would be it's great a, right now
0: is a great thing. But speaking of, I mean, respect because, you know, Charlotte, people listen um, to you, you know, back in February, you posted on Facebook about the dance and judging. And you wrote holding a clipboard these days does not make me feel useful to West Coast swing. It sorts through the masses quickly and tells them nothing useful At least in routine divisions, I can make notes they may or may not even see. But I make them anyway. It is not fun to stand in judgment of others' expression of West Coast Swing. Anyone judging should be West Coast Swing experts with the ability to teach what is missing from the dancers they score. First, West Coast Swing is a social dance meant for exactly that. And if you cannot properly connect in a social dance, you need to examine your ability. I'm excited by really good West Coast swing, dance to music that makes you dance really well, and translate West Coast to us through the music, no matter the genre. What motivated you to post this, and what were you trying to say about judging?
2: Well, that sounded pretty good, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it sounded amazing.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I rarely post on Facebook because it feels like politically it's an assassination, you know, so... Mm -hmm. You don't really voice too much because people are just going to attack what's being said. But sometimes you feel like you have to speak up. But I'm starting to I was starting to feel frustrated that the only forum in which I can be heard is with a clipboard in my hand. And I felt I was starting to feel as though after 37 years in this community, I wasn't given any opportunities to uh, any more to do other than judging. Very little teaching. Mm-hmm. Very little forums where I can sit down and have a, a, a... voice. A voice. And I'm grateful to the Grand Nationals who has let me do that for eight years in a row at uh, having a swing intensive or an intensive where I can talk to people about the dance and teach them um, things that I'd like them to know. Or So... The clipboard part of it is, yes, I feel as though, is this what my career has come to, that I get to hold a clipboard and never have a voice? And so right. you would think that a clipboard gives you a voice, but it really doesn't because you really are nowadays sorting through so many competitors. Um, it maybe gives me a little bit of a voice in a routine division, but I'm always a note taker. It's almost a performance evaluation on my notes more, more than it is anything, I'm giving each individual performance and evaluation of how you, you performed this routine at this moment. I mean, nobody sees that, you know, I'd, I'd rather be the person that critiques the, the person afterwards, <laughs> um, but they seek other people for coaching. They don't seek me. And maybe that's because they think I'm not interested or, and I, d- I don't have a time to, change the whole community obviously that would be hours and hours of coaching is not what i probably want to do but having a wider audience where i can speak to a lot of people at once is more ideal but i get less opportunities to do that so uh,
0: i mean charlotte i think part of the problem is is that you know the people that know you like myself and, and my peers you know we grew up side by side dancing together on the dance floor at one point. And we, we see how talented you are. But the people that are coming up into the, you know, into the West Coast Swing community really don't see you dance much. There's a few videos of you on Facebook, but we don't see you, like, compete in the Champions Strictly or, you know, Champions uh, Jack and Jill. And that's how, sometimes that's how people relate, unfortunately, um, to wanting to have coaching, um, from someone, I know you stopped uh, competing for whatever reason that is, but I will tell you this that uh, your dancing is still, you know, the bomb dot com. and I'm not sure why you're not on the dance floor a little bit more often to give us the pleasure to watch those beautiful legs move.
2: I'm on the dance floor socially, and uh, that's where I enjoy it the most. I don't enjoy competition gotcha and uh so if that's where the only venue i I actually don't mind exhibition i just don't want to be stand in front of a clipboard myself anymore i'm sure i'm 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 sort of beyond that and i gotcha i don't want to do that anymore but i i'm always willing to do an exhibition but once again it's most events don't have places for exhibitions. A smaller event, you're if you're hired to teach and judge, and uh, at a smaller event, they generally want you to do an exhibition. And I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. I just um, also I think I stopped because some of the leading and some of the, the next generation coming up was less about um, something that uh, an act. Uh, Action reaction dancer like myself could work with. Right. More of a manufactured, let me look like this at this moment, versus if you give me a something to work from, I will create. Right. The feeling as though I was getting something to work off of more than I was having to manufacture the dance.
0: I can totally agree with that
2: between the two of us. And that's not my style of dancing. I'm an action reaction. Let's work together in a partnership. You lead something and I will converse, but there was no conversation other than I talk, you talk. And so the competition side of it, um, I was not into the, where the the direction of where the dance was going so competitively i would only probably in my opinion i felt like i would just disappoint my leader so Mm. i didn't do that either you know so
0: i i completely understand
1: why do you think it is that you're not getting hired as much i mean you're still active in our community i've seen you uh get hired at least as a dj at certain events which is great you play um fantastic music uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say like you play songs that people aren't playing anymore, which is great. <laughs> um, uh, but why, yeah. Why do you think that you're not getting hired when you still have so much to offer? If not more, you have more experience than most if not all of the pros that are out there now.
2: Good question. I don't know. Obviously I'm not going to be able to work as much as, You know, I don't want this to be, let's call Charlotte now and higher. I like my life, you know, I mean, obviously I'm getting older. I can't work as much as I would, in my head, would like to. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's just that, uh, that... They seek the younger generation out or the people who are competing in routines. That is who gets hired these days. And I I get that because they need to bring their show to the event and it's all a business, business transaction that works for a certain reason. It's not necessarily about uh, teaching or good teaching, or I believe it's more about the business aspect of an event. They've got to make money. What makes money are popular people that are on the dance floor, and uh, that's the way the world works in in uh, the dance community these days. So,
0: but don't you think we should be able to have a little bit of both? I mean, you can hire the popular people, but also hire the people that are really knowledgeable and know this dance really well and can offer a lot to the community.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah that that should happen and sometimes I wonder when I see certain events and see certain people constantly being hired and it's the same voice over and over and over mm-hmm. but we have other voices and other people in history that are around that you're not getting any information from right. such as perhaps myself or others you know they benefit from hearing from but it's all good you know I'm. i never one. I've never been one to ask for it. So yeah. if they want it, they have to ask me. <laughs> Same with dancing. I've never. I've never gone out and asked people to dance. I've always been maybe more traditional female that says the leader should ask me, and that's just the way I feel about it. And I know a lot of. Even Wayne, when he was dancing, he could not get off the dance floor back then because women were always walking up on the dance floor before he had a chance to leave the floor. <laughs> and he would have to sort of work his way to the back of the dance floor and then kind of walk because he couldn't get off the floor. And uh, I think it's been that way for a while. It feels like that women have to do all the asking these days. but
1: Yeah. On this show, we've discussed swing content and what we sort of call swing aesthetic many times. On your website, you've delineated a clear set of characteristics that define West Coast Swing, and I encourage anybody who hasn't seen that to go and check it out. You also make reference to the current NASD definition of swing. As someone who has been a competitor, a judge, and even a shareholder in the U.S. Open, which is probably our most prestigious competitive event, What are your thoughts both on the current definition of swing and how you think we should hold competitors accountable for swing content while also allowing for creativity and artistic expression?
2: I don't think that the current statement of swing needs to be changed. I believe that it's open enough to incorporate all forms of swing. And it was intentionally written that way because I was involved in the original writing when Skippy and Wayne and a lot of other people were writing the Statement of Swing. And it was written to not just be for West Coast Swing, not just be for uh, Lindy Swing or Shag. It was written so that all dance, all swing dances could sort of fit into that definition. And so from there, I think that you can build enough of a, of a, of a definition. Now, West Coast Swing is, is a little different in that it's the only swing that uses the term anchor. Mm-hmm. They don't use the term in shag and they don't use that term in lindy. Uh, so that two-beat anchor and that slot are very important to the identity of West Coast Swing. So... And the woman walking forward on counts one, two. So those three things have a very um, definite identity to West Coast, which the community that we're in now seems to be doing mostly all West Coast swing or some version of it in their mind. So, but the dance um, has that identity. And for me, I know what that identity looks like. So when I watch a routine and I don't see the identity of the dance, especially a two-beat anchor or a pattern that ends in a two-beat anchor, um, then I start to question the swing content. And I think uh, the percentage of swing that is 50% or 80% or 60% or 70% is ridiculous. There's no way you can measure the percentage of swing content on the fly while you are judging a routine. So you can't say, I think I saw 60%. That's just ludicrous. Uh, At one time, Wayne and I, when we were on the open board, we had changed it to half. Okay, we want to see at least half of the routine West Coast swing identity or swing identity. And – at least half sounded better than fifty percent or a percentage. But I, in today's thinking, and my thinking is I should see the entire dance and recognize that as as if it's West Coast swing or Lindy swing or shag, the entire dance. I don't look at shag and then have to wonder what part is of shag? shag. Right. I don't. I don't have to look at Lindy or regular jitterbug swing east coast swing and wonder what part of that is that's just but when we look at west coast everyone is confused about its identity and to me those three characteristics if they're missing an anchor if they're missing a slot if they're missing a walking forward on counts one two if they're missing those foundation Mm -hmm. patterns six count patterns and eight count pattern foundation moves because as in the statement of swing it states you know six counts eight count whips and six count passes and push breaks and whatever if those are all left out i've lost the identity now you can do those any way you want there's so much creativity you can express in west coast swing you can do all kinds of stuff within the framework of those patterns But what we see today in routines is a lot of run-on patterns. Every pattern has a beginning and an ending. Mm -hmm. The ending is the two-beat anchor. That is where that two-beat anchor doesn't have to be a triple. It can be a hold. It can be a double. It can be a a syncopation. It can be nothing. But there is two beats of music that stretches and says, this is the end of the sentence right here. And the beginning of the sentence starts the next pattern. But what we're seeing in routines is I've counted, and I I turn the sound off and watch routines on video, and then I count the pattern. Where does that pattern start, and where does that pattern end? And I can get up to 40 beats before I've seen the ending of a pattern. And sometimes I don't see the ending clearly. They're doing a check step to come forward. You know, there's a lot of four beat patterns that check and come forward when it should be anchored. And I know why they do it. I understand it. It's choreography. It's done to because of the music. Um, it's putting together eights and fours to the music versus the way that. I would have approached it and the way Wayne and I approached it was to put amalgamations of the dance together just like you are dancing it and you would dance it so if you put an amalgamation on a phrase it's you know three or four six beat patterns and a, a couple of you know whips or something that could go on for 12 beats or 14 beats or 18 beats that's all okay it's just that they we danced it as a as a grouping of patterns versus I'm just dancing and choreographing it to the eighths of the music
0: like a run on sentence
2: like a run on sentence that and to me that is much easier to do sure. than the burden of doing West Coast swing to the music because you know that six count patterns get tricky <laughs> when you're starting to choreograph a routine it gets very tricky and you have to really, it's a puzzle to put together, but it's what we do socially. It's what we do spontaneously without thinking. And that, but when we start thinking in our routine and we sit, you know, I've had so many people come for coaching that they're like, here's the beginning of our routine. And the music's going, la, 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 la. And then they're just going, la, 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 la. And there's no, okay, when are you get to get to the swing dance patterns that you're going to put in this routine? So um, there's a lot of posing, a lot of uh, interpretation, which is not within the structure of the dance. That's what is most annoying. And that's what I feel is missing primarily. Um, and I'm not a fan of getting a swing scrutineer, I think we're going down the wrong path with scrutinizing it by one or two individuals' interpretation of when it is and when it isn't swing with a stopwatch, that's dangerous. You're gonna lose the art form. Who's to say that the beginning of your routine isn't part of your whole swing theme or your whole swing story? So let's say you have a intro that's 24 beats, you haven't really gotten to a structured pattern, but it's still part of your routine. So to put a stopwatch on things and then say, here's the percentage, but that first part wasn't part of swing. It's part of your swing routine. So it just feels like it might end up not being good, a good direction, but I I think, you know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Well, yeah, but I think, right. But I, I feel like this has been a problem since the day I can remember. I mean, when I was competing, you know, uh, at the U S open with Robert, I mean, we got called on swing content. And when you go back and you look at the routine, it's clear, it clearly swings. There's no doubt that that routine swings its ass off. Excuse my French. Um, so I feel like this is going to constantly be an issue in our community. You know, what's swing, what's not, is that swinging? It's not swinging. And I feel like the people, the people that really know about swing are the ones that are still competing or, you know, have had have had success in competition for a very long time. And the ones that are judging aren't those people.
2: Exactly.
0: Right. <laughs> so, you, look, <laughs> you know, you've been close with, you know, many people who have served, you know, on the leadership of the World Swing Dance Council over the years. And your partner, husband, Mark Shifley, um, is currently on its board how have you seen the organization change and what do you think of its current role in our dance community?
2: Yeah. You know, um, you know, the, the point situation got carried away, didn't it? And we all know that, that points became very important that therefore made the world swing dance council very important mm-hmm. and very you know, um, the original uh, mission of them was to help swing events start, give them some guidelines on what they should and shouldn't do, and um, go forward. You have a great event. Then the point situation came up, and it's there's the good and the bad of that, right? So mm-hmm. we developed a really huge community because everybody wanted a point, right? And everybody wanted their name and lights on the on a website that says, "Look at me! I'm an intermediate dancer. I'm an advanced dancer." And points don't define define you as a dancer. Points right. don't define you as how many competitions you went to and and you made it your your way through the masses. Amen. But that doesn't define you as a dancer. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to. People think it does, and and now that's gotten a whole. So I think the World Swing Dance Council has gotten their mission a little convoluted with so much emphasis on that. And um,
0: do you think? I mean, fr- from the outside looking in, because obviously I'm I, I'm not part of the World Swing Dance Council. However, I've run. Know. I've run events, I've been part of events um and I feel like today uh the world swing dance council is like big government. You know, they they have their hands in too many things. The objective was, you know, to give um events uh some, you know, uh uh what's the word I'm looking for? Some legitimacy um and it was also just to track Points and now the World Swing Dance Council is telling events how to run their events, fining them if they don't run them exactly the way the World Swing Dance Council uh, says. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, nobody should tell anyone how to run their event.
2: Yeah, it's I agree, they've become big government just like any organization after a while. You know, I think it even the country community sort of went that direction with the UCWDC becoming a sure. big government. And we, we never wanted that in our community. We, what we loved about it was the free nature of how things worked and, and the freedom of the dance, the freedom of, of uh, the community. And now we've got this punishing organization. I'm going right. to that because, and I'm against that. I'm against it being so a punishing penalty organization, but it's because they changed their, their guidelines to rules. And that's where we got into trouble. But I can understand it too, from their perspective in that one event says, well, this guy did this, this, and this, and that's not fair. And then people complain. And then, they go back to the world saying, so like, Well, how, how come this says in your guidelines that, that's what I call guidelines? It's a guideline, true. that's true, but it's just like uh routine divisions. They started making more and more rules, you know, and then there had to be a referee, now there's going to be a swing scrutinary. It's get mm-hmm. it's it's over monitored. I agree. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the world finance council is becoming just like a routine division where let's have a referee and Wayne wrote the referee. He, he invented the referee system, mm-hmm. but then people got better with rules. But the minute you didn't have that, a rules, a referee on the panel, people were pushing the envelope. So if it said you can only do five, people were doing 11 weight support moves. And right. Nobody was calling them on it. So well, that's the then- problem.
0: The problem is nobody was calling them on it we shouldn't you know change the rules now
2: well that's where we said that the judges weren't doing their job so let's find another person to do their job now let's have the referee is doing the job and the swing scrutineers doing it. why do you need the other judges to, to look at the la la part of the routine The, the what's, mm-hmm. what are they judging I I honestly refuse to judge the US Open because I won't have you take the responsibility out of my hand for swing content. I won't.
1: Well, there are other judges. I mean, we've talked about this on the show, but there are other judges who feel like punishing people for breaking the rules is almost pointless because it doesn't really have a huge impact on the outcome.
0: Well, let me, let me say something about that. I feel because I have judged the U S open Um, And I've gotten in trouble for not um, penalizing anyone. And my theory behind that is if we dance all year and nobody gets penalized, why do we wait till till the largest, you know, event of the year to then, you know, um, make people accountable? Uh, So if we're going to do it, we need to do it all the time. Otherwise, don't do it um, at all.
2: Right. I'm not sure what you're saying there. Are you saying that there should be a swing scrutineer everywhere? No, I'm saying that, well, if
0: there's a swing scrutineer at the U.S. Open, you can't expect, and and there's none at the rest of the events all year, and people are competing all year long and not getting penalized for swing content and such. Then they go to the Open, and now they are. well, 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 what's the deal here? I've been dancing all year long. Nobody's been telling me anything, and now I come to the U.S. Open, and now I'm in trouble. Which is one of the reasons why I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna penalize anyone. We don't do it all year long. Why do it now?
2: Uh, you know, we, it's really um, <clears throat> a direction that you end up taking as a judge. What's the point? You right. Know, I wish you'd just let me do you and a performance evaluation and tell you versus score put a stupid man a score down on a score sheet that says you didn't have swing content. So what they go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. according to you while well, other other judges said we did right. so they had there's no credibility if right. one judge says it the other judge doesn't mm-hmm. and I feel as though that the whole judging community is not an agreement on what swing is and what swing isn't so therefore you're going to get all kinds of different opinions of what that right. is but why is a swing scrutineer any more uh, qualified than
0: a judge who's been dancing swing for a long time? Right. Yep. I gotcha.
2: As a competitor, I don't know where I go nowadays. I just I feel sorry for people competing because <laughs> it is confusing. They don't know what's what. Some people are told, well, if you don't have stretch, you don't have swing. You can see the structure of this dance. You may not have a quality of swing. You may not have the technique of swing. Mm -hmm. But you have the dance. I see it. I recognize it. You just don't do it very well. Right. But someone to say, well, they're doing the dance, but they don't have stretch. That's ridiculous.
1: I feel like the, the challenge that I see, and I feel like that we've talked about with others on this show, is that it's not so much a challenge for the people competing. There are plenty of people who compete and either aren't meeting the swing criteria, or as you said, aren't, aren't presenting the quality of swing who are succeeding and succeeding enough to get hired at places or build a name for themselves. For me, the challenge I think is that the masses look to those who succeed in competition Right. as exemplars and models of what we should be doing, of what this dance is and or could be. And while judges may be able to debate um, and critique whatever is put out in competition, um, if whatever is in competition is succeeding, it sets the bar and the model for the rest of us as to what the dance should be. So for me, that's, I think, a bigger challenge. I mean, if I were a competitor, I'd just put my art out on the floor. And, you know, as you, you were saying, like Wayne's attitude, it's like you put it out on the floor and then whatever it is, it is. Um, and lots of people can make a name for themselves that way, just putting stuff out on the floor. But for me, the challenge is, you know, like you were saying, people sit and watch YouTube and they're saying, oh, look at that. I want to do that. And they may be doing that without recognizing that there is a structure to this dance. There is, as you said, an identity to this dance and they, they maybe can't tell the difference. And so for me, holding competitors accountable is not just about the competitors. It's about our responsibility to the whole community and to those who are coming into the community, um, both showing them what the dance is, but also what the dance could be. I don't think it's about restricting the dance and holding it in a certain place, but I think it's about helping set the direction, um, For its growth of, you know, like you said earlier, Charlotte, what the foundation is. I don't know that the way we're judging is holding competitors accountable for that in a way that says to everyone, this is what our dance is and can be.
2: Well, I agree that they aren't holding the dancers accountable to what the dance is. But like I said, not everybody knows you know, routines are a different different animal, you know. You have Absolutely. to make it exciting. You have to make it. And playing West Coast Swing in a routine may not get you very far. So you do have to have elements of other things. And we've always accepted that, you know, maybe there is a section where the music crescendos and you need a 30-beat a uh, section that's just dancing fast and accelerated that's all acceptable parts of it but the the overall identity is still there that's there's those parts that crescendo that go appropriately but when the whole dance looks like that then you start to lose it and you know i think it's it's hard to say where where to go from here because you can be one from one event to the other, it's going to change, you know, depending on who your hired staff is. And to change the whole world, you know, obviously, West Coast Swing is worldwide and so popular. And they have a lot more liberty within Europe or other countries to do do it how they want. It seems like they have are less uh, governed by World Swing Dance Council or to a certain degree, certain things. So they're taking that with a little more liberal uh, aspect of. So those events become something more fun for young people to attend because I don't have the strict guidelines of a U.S. Open or a Boogie by the Bay or a Capitol or some of these other long-standing American events. It feels like I see a little bit of that. So... You know people going well i'm just not gonna you know support certain events that are too strict i don't know maybe they want to go back to something more free where like the europeans aren't, aren't aren't governed by the point system as much as we are
0: here well they are well they, the european events if they want points they have to be part of the world swing dance council they are part of the world swing dance council they cannot have points unless they are part of the World Swing Dance Council. Right,
2: I, I know that. but yeah.
0: You're what? saying you feel that the World Swing Dance Council doesn't punish European events as much as they do American events. Is that what you're saying?
2: Well, I don't really know what, what they punish and what they don't punish, but I know that they better be careful about having someone from the World Swing Dance Council board attend an event and then recognize that they made an error. If you're not going to attend every every event in the whole world, then and police it, mm-hmm. then how fair are you being to one event that you happen to att- attend and police them for doing something wrong? Well, I, I say police the next event and make sure that you didn't see anything wrong. Is, is that what we're going to be? Is the World Finance Council police? It's but not a that's
0: good That's what thing. they are though, right now. Like I said, that I mean... I, it feels that way. and. It doesn't feel that way. That's what it is. I mean, they they are that the world swing dance council is big government and trying to tell events how they should run uh, their events. And that's not what the world swing dance council is for period. But people continue to pay them to get the points because now it's, you know, created this big, you know, it's this big monster. Now, now, if you don't, if you don't have points, supposedly your events, not going to make it. And now there are a couple of events coming out of the woodwork that don't want points because they want to bring the dance back to, you know, where it was before. Because the dance shouldn't be about points. It should be about dancing.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I uh, It's easy to get your ego if you're on a World synods Council board or if you're on the U.S. Open board. I, I remember having to put my ego in check when I was on the board of the U.S. Open You think because you're attached to a large organization that you need to do the right thing and make rules and enforce them. And when you get away from stuff like that and you look back at it and you go, gosh, you know, maybe we were part of making too many rules even at the US Open. And and now the World Finance Council seems to be falling into that same uh, pit, so to speak. I do believe it's about keeping those egos in check. Those egos of the big organizations who are supposed to be the leaders. It's this what isn't it? Sort of like you know IBM failing when they said they never fail <laughs> back in the eighties. You know you get you can get too big for your britches and think that you are the end all. Absolutely. You are the U.S. Open. You are the World Swing Dance Council, and nothing can compete with us. That's just not true.
0: Until something can.
2: Until something can. And so you need to do things. There's power for the good of all. There's power for your pocketbook. Right. So power for the good of all is what we should be focusing on in this community. What's Mm -hmm. good for everyone? Not just what's good for me to make a whole bunch of money. Right.
0: I I mean, I, I also think part of the problem, too, is that, like, you know, the World Swing Dance Council collects all this money and they do nothing to give back to the community. They think having, you know, this World Swing Dance Council Facebook page and like promoting, you know, now I see like every week they promote an event that's on at the at the time. But they give no money back to the community to help like pay judges better or to have better prize money or, or anything, pay the numbers, you know, for, for swing dance events. You know, they, they collect all this money. Well, so what are they doing with that money? How are they how are they making the community better or or giving back and helping
2: the community? They're not.
0: But everyone still pays them.
2: Well, it's they are going to be put to task, I would think, you know. I, I put them to task when I first started reading the guidelines and said, hey, your guidelines say this and this. And I didn't even know your guidelines said that because as a chief judge, I was competing at smaller events that hired me to say, I want you to be in this particular contest. Then when I realized that that was actually in the guidelines that says you can't, Mm -hmm. I contacted them and said, I I almost feel like they started writing rules from, from what I said. But I started asking, well, what about this? You know? Why can't a, a chief judge compete at, at an event if that's the smaller event once right they need you they need these people because they are part of their show or part mm-hmm. of whatever. So I, I I think too that the board has turned over, you know, there's a lot of new people. Um, and not being not being run by Annie and Skippy anymore. <laughs> Their motivation for the World Swing Dance Council is different.
0: Is it though? I mean, because again, like I feel like, you know, this World Swing Dance Council is imposing more and more rules on events and taking more and more money and really doing nothing to help those events except tell rules and find them to get more money.
2: Yeah, I think they're in a hard place. I think they've got. Huge world at their hands now that was simpler back in the day when they had just, you know, America <laughs> and, and a few events. Yeah. I think that they have growing pains and they need better help, let's say, more technology. Maybe it's funny how more, a lot of boards don't incorporate people who um, are outside of the community. That you know, on a board of directors, perhaps you should have other perspectives other than just. Or how about
0: this. how about have people who are relevant in the community being part of the board? People who travel, who still compete, who are who you know see what's going on
2: yeah, no, you know, at good. events. I, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Great, <laughs> I'm glad we
1: agree. By the way, Charlotte. When you when you said, um, you know, you mentioned the there's the statement of swing and there's the identity of West Coast swing. When you're judging a contest, um, if you're judging a classic division, classic is not technically limited to West Coast. And of course, there are some West Coast routines that incorporate elements of other dances, ball or Shag or what have you. Um I'm just curious if when you're judging a routine in a classic division, are you judging it based on the standards of West Coast Swing or are you judging based on whatever dance you recognize in the moment?
2: I'm judging based on the dance that I recognize that they're doing. You can right. immediately recognize Shag. You can immediately recognize Mindy. You don't necessarily immediately recognize West Coast Swing, which is ridiculous, but... <laughs> You know, beauty of the dance is also the downfall of the dance because it's so you can be so creative within the dance. But it does have an identity and you can recognize that right after their intro is over and they get into the dance, you should be able to say, yes, this is a West Coast Swing routine.
1: Yeah, at that point, you then judge it based on West Coast Swing identity, right? Yes. Like you're gonna look for the anchor. Uh, yeah, I just asked that question because I feel like I, I don't I agree with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with the statement of swing as a description of the body of swing dances. But I feel like it's not specific enough to be applicable and practical in a judging situation. Whereas your your, you know, three characteristics of West Coast Swing is a little more practical. Like I can look for those specific elements to say whether they're doing West Coast Swing or not?
2: You know, I was on a a swing committee for a while, and uh, we were trying to write the definitions. I've I've written a definition for Lindy, I've written a definition for Shag, and I've written a definition for West Coast. Mm -hmm. I put those documents together, discussed it with the swing committee that I was on. But it's really... We get stuck when we come to try to come to agreements on what West Coast Swing is, and certain terms that people want to use and don't want to use. And that committee, I'd say, really didn't go anywhere. And it was on behalf of the US Open. And I I put a lot of work into it, uh, defining the, and then I also believe I gave that to NASD, because I also presented at NASD here's some definitions that we can agree to, to give to the dancers on what West Coast Swing is. And I'm not sure that that got adopted or if it did, it didn't get published. I'm not, it sort of all fell through the, through the cracks because I think people are afraid to identify West Coast Swing.
0: What are they afraid afraid of? They're going
2: to lose the artistic form and you won't lose it. Right. You have, have, Just like cha-cha is cha-cha. You don't do a cha-cha routine and leave cha-cha out. West Coast Swing is a dance. We teach this dance. It has a curriculum. And that curriculum is everything that we all as teachers teach. Now, you teach this curriculum, you do this dance socially, and then you watch it in a routine and you don't see any of that, then they're not doing it. Why don't we see any of that? Because they're dancing to the music without thinking about the dance. They're just choreographing to music. Right. Which you got to do both. you got to put the dance on top. You've got to overlay the dance into the music, not do the music and leave the dance out. And that's what's sort of happening. So I think it's easy to write a definition for West Coast Swing and say, Judge, here's the definition of West Coast Swing. This is you know, the, what is the criteria? If you don't see this, 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 and this, then mm-hmm. there's a problem. It's either yes or no. Maybe there's not a percentage. Did you see the dance? No. Did you see it? Yes. Or maybe there's an in-between gray area. Right. It, feel, it does need to be redone from what it's currently at, but I don't like the direction that it's going to be in the lap of one or two individuals at the open with a stopwatch. Right. That's not, that's not going to solve the problem either.
0: Don't yeah. you think that the pendulum always swings back though? I mean, that's part of our dance is that our dance, you know, moves with the times of the music, which is why so many people love um, this dance because, you know, whatever's happening at the moment, the top 40 music, we could kind of adapt uh, to the music. Obviously there's, there's some types of music that, are more conducive to our dance that make us swing more or make us, you know, feel naturally more swingy in the dance. But I think sometimes what happens is, is the music creates a different movement. I guess we get carried away with the music and forget about the structure. Would you agree with that?
2: I would agree to it to a certain point, but my default is this dance. I can go out of it to music but my default will come back. Right. And if this song itself doesn't even give me a default, like if I'm dancing to Ed Sheeran, The Shape of You, and it's a samba song, Mm
0: -hmm. I'm
2: probably not going to even get up to dance that. And why would I try to, and if you can't come back to your default of an anchor or a West Coast Swing pattern, then all I'm doing is just freestyling, holding hands with the guy. Mm-hmm. So um, music is a big, big part of it. But a lot of dancers today don't know other dances. They don't know samba. They don't know cha-cha. They don't know salsa. They don't know nightclub two-step. And so they'll dance to any song that a DJ plays because <laughs> Well, this must be swing dancing because they played that song. So they try to dance to it, they don't dance well to it. And so you create you create problems with certain music when people don't have the ability to understand the different songs, different dances that call for different music. Right. And that's why I started DJing, not because I want a career as a DJ, or not because I think I'm better than any other DJ. I just want to infuse music that that makes the dance better, that makes the dance feel good, uh, shows that there's a lot of variety of music, which has always been the beauty of West Constitution the variety of which you can compare right. it to. But right now, I feel that the most of the music played is top 40. It's not there's no variety. And that's that weighs on me. I, as a dancer, I need variety. I need inspiration from all different kinds of beats, and but I get the same beat over and over. You know, that's I agree monotonous. And I feel like if you only just, I can give you a whole bunch of other music that this is going to work really well to. Just try it. You know, that's where I feel like I'm at with this whole DJing things. Mm-hmm. Let's think about the dance this way. Um, but I'd have to say that I, I've been seeing a couple of routines on the floor that are, like you said, Deborah, the pendulum does swing. You mm-hmm. know, bring it back to more of the um, classic form of West Coast swing, or not <laughs> just even have to be the classic form. It just has to be the form of you know, right. the identity of that dance. Where I am seeing, and I think Bravo, you know, you had it. You, your your music was great. That routine was good. I see the dance. Those three things came together. Then I see dances where it looks like they might be doing the dance, but the music is like this samba-infused Latin music that doesn't really promote the best West Coast swing or, or any of it at all. And so I, I did a thing with the Rising Star Division just for my own purposes. And I watched it from last year's US Open. And I rated each song from one to five in my mind, just as an exercise. And there was like, maybe three routines where I had rated the music good for the dance as a number one or number two. And most of them were fours and fives in worst. And so I felt like here's a division that should be truly growing into the next division that aren't doing any they're not doing any better than the the top professionals they don't even have the right to try to do a routine that way to me that should be a routine based on the totally on the identity and music that complements that dance where the rising star division is just doing a poorer job technically than the other people are and the dance is not any looking any different. So it's, it's almost like uh, the Rising Star Division and the Classic Division could be the same division. <laughs> so it's uh, not much different. But I really feel that education, this is an educated dance and we do need the education. We can't watch it on YouTube and become a good West Coast Swing Dancer. We need to educate people on what the dance really is. How that education comes about, I don't know. You know, Slowly. <laughs> right. <Apparently. laughs>
1: well, you have had a very extensive career in our community in West Coast Swing, and you have influenced so many people over the years, and you continue to influence by teaching, DJing, um, and even being out social dancing. Thinking about where you've been personally and perhaps where you might like to go from here, what do you hope your legacy will be in our community?
2: Boy, it's a tough one.
0: <laughs> we only ask tough questions on this show, you know.
2: <laughs> you, you do, I'm in, probably in such trouble already. <laughs> Nobody gets
0: all. in trouble, that's ridiculous.
2: I'm just kidding. Yeah. What do I want my legacy to be? That I really love the dance and that I've held on to the notion that this dance can be anything you want it to be within the structure of what it is. And I, you can create and be as artistic as you possibly want to be in West Coast Swing, and I feel like I've been able to do that. If there's a legacy that's my legacy. I I danced one way in the 80s, I danced another way in the 90s, I danced another way in the 2000s, but I never stopped doing the dance. So my legacy is that I've held on to the dance that I know and, but I've modernized it, if you want to say, over the years. My dance, I, I believe, is, is never dated, but It's stayed true to its roots, but has always been stylized according to the times or the music, but without compromising the dance.
1: Well, and I think everybody would agree that your dancing and your style is indeed timeless. Um, And again, the top females did and do and continue to admire your dancing, as do many of the rest of us.
2: Well, that's
0: nice.
2: Thank you.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you have to know that, Charlotte.
2: Sometimes I don't know what I know. Maybe I don't realize it enough. You you just never know if you've made a difference or who likes you, who doesn't like you.
0: (laughs) Well, I do know that, like, I mean, you've had an influence on me and my dancing, and I know that Sarah's talked about you and Tatiana's talked about you. I mean... You're a huge part of, you know, this dance, like big, like you're it, like you're the diva.
2: Well, I'm happy that I've had an influence on those particular girls that you mentioned, Jessica and
0: Jessica too. Yes, uh huh. Because
2: I feel like that generation, then the generation that came from them, feels like it doesn't translate. Like what happened to the and what got lost in translation. <laughs> to, from those people who went out in the world and felt like they, they were passing along, you know, a lot of the, cause they all still, even with the guys of that generation, Kyle, Parker, Jordan, I can dance well with all of them and they can dance well with me, but the, the generation after that, Right. Doesn't seem to work as well. I don't know what went on, what happened?
0: <laughs> well, I think, well, here's what I think what happened. The generation after the one that you've mentioned, a lot of them learned just watching YouTube and really didn't get the structure, you know, of the dance. And I think also um, they didn't dance with
2: us either. We all danced
0: with each other. Well, that's what I was just going to say. And also uh, they didn't get to dance with all of us. So I think they missed that one step that's, that's really important, you know, in this dance, you know, we can't get to where we're at until we step on the shoulders, you know, of others. And I wouldn't be the dancer that, you know, that I am today in in the dance community, if it wasn't for, you know, all the women that came before me, you being one of them and, and Sylvia and, you know, Beata and Debbie Ramsey and, yeah, I mean, and the list goes on and on and on and on, and then and then obviously the people during you know my generation, Sarah and you know and Jessica, and you know Todd, we, we you know we all kind of intertwine, in 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 the generation, and we learn um, from each other because we've danced with each other, and I think that's kind of what changed a little bit. YouTube and not dancing.
2: Well, we were traveling. We started traveling. We that's all we just dance at the press box, and then we dance. Right. At- we compete competed at the open and basically we've lost that intimate social danger. Right. And nowadays, if, if you are a champion dancer and you go into the ballroom and you dance with each other, people get mad, which right. is, it's, it's, it's a shame because we should be able to still continue to dance with each other and have other people watch that. Cause there's, a, we, we also watched each other. Like if you went to a Phoenix convention convention and the, yeah, 90s to the 2000s, we were, it was people watching each other too. We were watching and learning, we were yeah. dancing and learning. And nowadays, you only get watched in a routine or in a competition that doesn't represent the social aspect of this dance. You know, where my best dances have happened late night or social dancing. My best dances, routines do not represent my best dancing. But yeah. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what's on video.
2: That's my history. That's right. That's Charlotte Bot, but that's not Charlotte Bot. That's just right. a Charlotte Bot in a routine. That's
0: right. not how I dance. It's, they're two different, you know, animals. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, social dancing is different than a routine, and and I think that's part of also that's also the difference too between um, a lot of the you know up and coming you know champions today. Like, the champions that I grew up with, you know, we were all, like, good at all three. We did routines really well. We did Jack and Jill's really well. We did Strictly Swings really well. And I think now we have a generation of just kind of routine dancers or just kind of Jack and Jill. Well,
2: there's a lot of shenanigans, a lot of goofing off. We didn't do that goofing off to the point of losing the entire dance or falling down and winning, you know. It's just like, it's... um, I'm, you know, you get a little bit over the shenanigans of it all because you have to do it for entertainment value because mm-hmm. we're dancing for audiences who want that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, some audiences, but I want to just see good West Coast swing dancing done like we used to. Not 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 like we used to do it, but in today's
0: world, style, just good dancing without having to have the you know round off back handspring superstar.
2: Without, without it being you know, a competition so too much competition
0: not enough social dance I gotcha so Charlotte it was great having you on the show today um, thank you so much for making time for Thanks us for me. if people want to reach you what's the best way to reach you
2: uh, Charlotte at charlottebot.com well that's easy yeah Great. That's probably the best way to so drop me an email or something. But nowadays people have usually like, I am you <laughs> on Facebook yeah, send you a message.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. E- email is becoming updated. I know. Text or I am.
1: <laughs> well, thank you again. Uh, it was great to finally sit down and chat with you. I know I've never had the chance to sit down and talk <laughs> with you. So I learned a lot and gained a lot from this conversation. And I'm personally glad that you're still out there. Um, doing what you do and and being seen, however you choose to be seen.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Eric.
1: If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us about this episode or any of our episodes, you can post a comment on our website. You can respond to our posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. Go ahead, start a conversation. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, follow us on Instagram at TheNakedTruthWCS, and go ahead, join the 60 or or 70-so people who follow us on Twitter. It's not very lively, but it's totally worth it because you can say you follow us on Twitter. It's at NakedTruthWCS.
0: Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's truthwcs.com forward slash store.
1: And now through July 2nd, we're having a flash sale on all of our merchandise. Just enter June 19 at checkout to get $5 off any shirt. Supplies are limited, so be sure to order your shirt today. Again, enter code JUNE19, that's J-U-N-E-1-9, at checkout for a $5 discount now through July 2nd.
0: And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook, and if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric,
0: and I'm Deborah, and that's
2: the Naked Truth. All right, I need to eat some food.
1: I need to do the same. Probably shower.
0: I need to shower because I I walked. I worked out today, and I still haven't showered from that. Excellent. Gross, kind of, but. <laughs>
1: well, we don't
2: have smell-o-vision, so I'm okay.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs>